0: Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. Thanks for your patience. I know we are a few minutes late. We were dealing with uh, a little bit of tech difficulty, but I think we're going to make it work. Happy Monday to those of you that might be live streaming with us and happy Memorial Day to those of you that are here in the U.S. celebrating the holiday. Uh, it's nice to have you here for a bit of an unusual holiday episode live stream with the Boca podcast. Of course, the show is produced by photographers at custom editing for the professional photographer. And uh, for those of you wedding and portrait photographers actually are getting into busy season, make sure that you take advantage of our services coming up uh, during this summer and upcoming fall, busy season as well. All right, on that note, I want to introduce a brand new guest here on the Boca podcast today. Meg, it totally blanked. Meg Mohala, did I get that right? Mahala. Mahala, okay, okay. I totally blanked, you just told me, I'm so sorry. It's so good to have you on the show today. Thanks for doing this.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And uh, we, we did run into a few tech difficulties. So for those of you that are listening in, if for some reason you're hearing Meg's audio in mono, we're aware of it. We're going to try to correct for it later on in, in post-production. Um, but we're going to make this work. And I know that the content that we're going to get into is going to be super valuable and practical. So thanks Meg for being willing to do the show today. Truly. I appreciate it, especially on a holiday too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm happy to hang.
0: Well, and we're going to get into a conversation that we've only kind of scratched the surface on here on the podcast, uh, Pinterest, but more specifically how to convert Pinterest traffic to paying customers. This is something that I'm still kind of enamored by because you hear some photographers talking about it, but there's it doesn't feel like there's near as much conversation as say, for example, Facebook marketing or Instagram marketing or getting on TikTok or whatever the case may be. Uh, so I appreciate the fact that we're going to be able to touch on that even more today. Before we go there, though, Meg, will you just briefly introduce yourself to our listeners who might not know you?
1: Yeah, um, I'm Meg Mahella. I am a Pinterest manager for photographers and other creative business owners. Um, I also am a blogging manager as well. Um, but yeah, I just kind of like a little origin story for me with Pinterest and how I came upon it. And I think this kind of speaks a little bit to what you were just talking about, how you don't really hear a lot of people being on Pinterest, I think, because they're not, people aren't really sure how to use it when it comes to businesses. A lot of us have experience with it as a personal thing and, you know, like looking into, I don't know, planning a wedding or, you know, like, outfit ideas or whatever. Sure. But so yeah, so I kind of came by Pinterest marketing kind of by accident. I started an Etsy store many years ago and also of course had my personal Pinterest account and I would see similar stuff to what I sold on Etsy when I scrolled on Pinterest. So I thought, I wonder if I could promote some of my stuff in here. And this was like many years ago. And then through trial and error, I quickly made Pinterest my main traffic source for many years on my shop. So then when I started doing it for other people, I wanted to niche down who I was helping and photographers were an easy choice. I you know, was a hobby photographer for most of my life. I was always the friend with the digital camera, uploading multiple albums to like MySpace and Facebook after fun weekends in high school and college. So (laughs) I really enjoy photography and I respect photographers and their craft so much. I love looking at beautiful photos. I mean, who doesn't? Um, but also photographers and Pinterest are like a no brainer pairing. Um, so it's like you, you're able to do so much with it. It's such a visual search engine platform, um, that it just kind of makes sense to have them on there.
0: Um, Well, but I, I think for a lot of photographers and this is kind of projecting and, and assuming, but I think for a lot of photographers, they probably fall into that similar mindset, which is that's is a cool place to go browse nice photos, but the idea of actually using it as a platform to convert potential clients, that's a different conversation. And I don't know how many, I don't know that there's a large percent of photographers invested in that process, at least based on my connections to the industry over the last couple of decades and the amount of conversation or the lack thereof that I hear from other photographers. So I, I, I love that we're spending time here today. I appreciate you giving a little bit of background. And for those of you listening in, you can go to Meg's website. I pulled it up here on the live stream, leanonmeg.com. By the way, brilliant URL. I don't know how you managed to get that one, but that that was Thank really, <laughs> really good. The same thing on Instagram, leanonmeg. And we'll link to both of these in the show notes at com. And uh, on that note, Meg, I want to go to just a brief introductory question here. This is something that I'm asking all of my guests that come on the show right now. This podcast is about helping photographers build sustainable businesses, i.e. to not get burnt out in the process of running a business and also to have a life that goes beyond the computer and the phone screen. And so to that end, I'm curious if there's a big idea or principle that enables you to maintain some level of freedom and flexibility while also running a business.
1: I think for me, a, a huge game changer was when I started time blocking. Um, I'm a big visual gal. So starting to do this really kind of made me have more con- feel like I had more control over my day. So every Friday I plan out the next week, I have to-do lists for each day and time blocking for those tasks in my calendar. Cause I've been Tracking my time since the beginning of my business, so I know exactly how long it takes me to do most things, whether that's client work or admin stuff for my own business. And then being such a visual person, seeing the actual breakdown of my day using this method really makes the tasks and the day as a whole more approachable Mm. It like forces me to be realistic about what I can fit into my day so I don't overwhelm myself with some unattainable to do list
0: what makes it break that down a little bit further because it's an interesting point of conversation what makes it feel more attainable is it that you're working in chunks of time versus having just like this massive time ahead of you that you have to fill with work
1: yeah it's kind of like i am not I'm not stressing about being able to fit in the rest of my list because I can look at my calendar and see, well, I have all, I have enough time left to be able to do all of these things. And sometimes of course, like stuff comes up and sometimes things take a little bit longer than usual, or maybe they don't take as long. And so I am flexible within it, but I make sure that I don't, like I said, overwhelm myself with some unattainable list. And then it. I reach the end of the day and I feel like, oh, I wasn't successful today because I didn't finish my list. Um, it just kind of sets me up more for success that way. I feel.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I, there's, there's an idea that I've been a little bit more, that has been a little bit more front of mind for me as of late, which is small steps consistently. And if we, if we're willing to, first of all, do what you're saying, which is the time block, and then give a little bit of time each day within those time blocks or within the week, however you, you set, you have your time block set up. But to do that consistently, give a bit of time to these different elements of your business consistently over time, it adds up to a lot. Rather than feeling like I need to just put these massive projects in front of me and I need to knock this out today or I need to knock this out in the next two days, I just do a little bit each day. And that's less overwhelming that way. I feel like I'm checking things off uh, along the way as well, which makes me feel a little bit better. But then ultimately, over a longer period of time, I'm able to get more done as a result of that. So it's an interesting thought process. Do you use time block? Do you use any particular software for the sake of time blocking, or are you just manually putting that in your calendar? I
1: manually put it in. To I'm an iCal girly. I know a lot of people are big into Google Calendar, but I'm I'm a I'm a Mac girl through and through. So yeah. Um. I I use my iCal, especially because then I'm able to look at it on my phone if needed. Um, But yeah, like you were talking about, I'm I'm big on, you know, little things building up as well. And I think being able to time block, I do it like a week at a time. And then I'm able to look at my week like that as a whole and be able to see what I can accomplish throughout that week. And then I'm able to, it's easier to look forward even farther than that um, because I know what my you know, deadlines are and that kind of thing. And I know when I'm gonna need to fit things in because I know exactly how long it takes because I've been time blocking for so long. So it kind of like, you know, micro and macro all kind of fits together once you get the ball rolling with it.
0: That's good, that's good. And I like that you're planning Friday, in preparation for the upcoming week. I think that's a really great thought process as well. So it helps
1: prevent the Sunday scaries for sure. Cause then you're already all set and you like have a plan for the next week. That makes sense.
0: You're like, oh shoot. Yeah, what am I getting into this week? Yeah, you already know there's some level of preparation so you can kind of ease into the week that, yeah. That's actually a really great point as well. This is good. I, I love how practical this is. And for those of you listening in, these points these suggestions and recommendations around building a more efficient business this stuff translates if you're willing to set set it up it takes a little bit of time maybe to implement it or learn the habit But if you're willing to set it up and implement it you're going to see pretty big payoff over the long term certainly less stress and a bit more freedom and flexibility and that's what we're aiming for here so thanks for sharing that meg sue says hello from sun valley sue appreciate you being here today and um, for those of you that are live streaming don't be shy ask questions, comment. Uh, on the conversation along the way, and we're going to get right into that right now. Uh, you shared a little bit about the, your background, Meg, as it relates to Pinterest, how you got into it, and of course, working in the photography industry. And, and this is something I didn't plan, but I'm curious from your perspective, before we get into kind of practical applications, the big ideas that enable more success in converting potential clients on Pinterest, what would you say is one of the biggest mistakes that you have seen photographers make as it relates to, to using Pinterest for the sake of business?
1: Um, I think a, a couple come to mind right away. <laughs> um, first and foremost, Pinterest is a long game. And so a lot of people don't give it enough time. I have a minimum amount of time that I um, require clients to work with me just to make sure that we are giving it the amount of time that makes sure that we're not wasting time, energy, and resources, you know, diving into the world of Pinterest marketing. So, you know, it's so easy to look around and see people that have, you know, like a million plus monthly viewers or whatever, to be clear, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're getting all sorts of inquiries and clients from Pinterest. Yep. Um, But you might see that and you might think, oh my gosh, like, that's what I need to be shooting for that can take years to get to the good news about Pinterest is that it lasts for a long time. Pins circulate for years. So, um, you know, you're going to get the ROI on the, you know, the patience that you're putting into it for sure. But giving up too soon, I think is a huge issue. Um, mm.
0: And it's, I think that's it's a principle that's kind of applicable across the board too. Right. I mean, we, we're yeah. so used to the, to seeing quick success or what seems like quick success because of social media. And it's easy to forget that one, most of those stories are anomalies, right? And that the reality too is that it does take time. We have to be willing to commit to that and play that long game. So that's a good reminder.
1: Yeah, and it's definitely like, you know, having a reel go viral and getting like a ton of followers from that on Instagram, that while that happens very rarely, that happens way more often on instagram than it's going to happen to you on pinterest mm. and also like followers don't even really matter on pinterest that's like a whole other conversation but um yeah so i think people come it's it's not really a social media site it is a visual search engine mm-hmm. um, so you people go into it and they think about it like instagram and it it isn't you you have to like go into it thinking about it as a completely different beast because It is a completely different beast. And that's, I think, another reason why a lot of people aren't on it. I spend I what I want to do, like with things like this, being on this podcast and what I do with my content on Instagram is I'm just trying to like demystify the platform for people because not enough photographers are taking advantage of Pinterest marketing, in my opinion. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so much can come out of it. You got to give it the time Um, and also. I think the the number two thing is going into it without some sort of strategy Mm. um just slapping stuff up there is (laughs) fine i guess but like if you don't get the results that you're looking for don't be too shocked because pinterest seo is a thing and you got to go in with like you know optimized keywords and figure out what it is that your ideal client is searching for and start from like it's there's a whole thing to being on Pinterest for marketing. And so putting up your beautiful pictures while that definitely can get get you some traction, it's going to get you those views. It's not necessarily going to get people to click through to your website, which of course is what we're going to talk about today.
0: That's great. And, And again, this is an idea that applies to business in general as well, right? Not going in with a strategy. Uh, And by the way, I speak from experience (laughs) of just kind of, I I have a tendency of just jumping and then at some point maybe building my wings on the way down, maybe not, who knows. Um, That's just a, a tendency that I've had over the years. And I've learned the hard way that if you don't have some type of clear intention and then as a result, a strategy... I shouldn't even say as a result, because intentions one thing, a lot of people have intentions, but then you have to actually take the time and do the work to come up with an intelligent strategy. And that's something that, again, I've, I've fallen, it's just been a weakness of mine over the years. And so it's something that I'm trying to do better with now, but it's a good reminder for listeners, not just in general, but in particular, of course, as it relates to Pinterest. And so I think that's a great stepping stone then into our conversation. And we're just going to get a dive right into practical application here, how, or or practical ideas, I should say, how should, we've talked a little bit about mindset, but what are the big ideas would you say that enable photographers? And I know that you're going to share kind of four of them here, but that would enable photographers to do a better job of not just posting pretty pictures to Pinterest, but ultimately converting potential clients to paying business on Pinterest.
1: Yeah. So I kind of touched a little bit on this um, just a second ago, but just before we kind of dive into it, I'm going to mention this a few different times. So I just really want to drive this home from the get. Pinterest is the top of the marketing funnel. It's Hmm. the very beginning um, of of, of a lot of people's journey with you. So I think there are a lot of people, like I said, who get started with Pinterest marketing, either on their own or with a Pinterest manager, and they have misguided expectations. Whether that's because they see other people rave about their monthly viewers or their outbound click numbers or whatever, and they think that that directly translates to inquiries or clients, or if it's because they are misunderstanding what type of platform Pinterest is, whatever the reason is, you have to remember <laughs> this is the very beginning of the the marketing funnel, um, and so there are definitely steps after that initial, you know entering your funnel that are important to convert your traffic into clients so first and foremost you want to make sure that you are providing value this is kind of the undercurrent for everything that i'm going to talk about today but i think it's important to establish right away if they come from pinterest to your website and they're not getting something additional once they get to your website they'll probably just x out um You need to make sure that when they click to the next step in this marketing funnel, you're actually bringing them to the next step. It's the first opportunity that you have to prove to people that you're trustworthy and have follow through by showing them what they're expecting or what they're wanting when they click through to your website. So, you know, photographers should be posting their beautiful photos, um, but you want to provide a little bit more than that in order to get people to do more than just save them to their inspo boards, which of course is important, but we're talking about conversion right now. Um, So this can be as simple as promoting your services and then making sure that that pin directs them to your service page, breaking down your offers more or to your contact page with how to book with you and that kind of thing.
0: So um, let me actually take a step back because I I wasn't sure if the the comment about um, this being top of funnel was your first point. Making sure to provide some type of value is the first point that that you just shared. So I want to kind of take a step back before I ask a follow-up question or two about adding value for those who are listening and are watching that might not know what it means to think of their marketing efforts in the context of a funnel. Uh, I know this may seem basic to some, but it may not be to others. Can you just give a brief summary explanation of what it means to have a marketing funnel, what it means to be top of that funnel?
1: Yeah. So when, when you have your funnel, and you're thinking about the journey that someone might take from discovering you to becoming your client, discovery would be the very top of the funnel or the first step. So then you have to think about what sort of journey somebody might need to go through through your marketing you know, efforts to get them to converting into a client. So discovery will be the top, which is what pinterest is about right that's they're searching for something and then you're hoping to show up as their solution for that search um and then they want to learn more about you figure out if you have the things that they and these are the each different if you google marketing funnel you'll find a bunch of different little graphics that'll show you you know like what people have decided are there and you know for the most part it's the same thing but Kind of like you were talking about with intention and stuff like that like everybody has a different end goal and so that's another thing that like when i first start working with somebody um, with pinterest marketing i figure out what is their goal when it comes to utilizing pinterest marketing so you can get website traffic more authority in your niche brand awareness you know inquiries that kind of thing any of those things could be your goal from utilizing Pinterest marketing. And so that would be kind of the end of your funnel. And so you want to make sure that you know what it is that you're trying to get people to in order to figure out how you want to get them there. So that's why people kind of use the funnel as, um, you know, like a example to then kind of help visualize just narrowing people down into becoming your client.
0: I, I think so again, this is, this is good for multiple reasons. One, um, we talked about the, the intention or the importance of intention earlier. I think most photographers, and, and by the way, I'll say again, this was me. In fact, this was me, even with my editing company, with my team, we've built a multimillion dollar company over the years without really even thinking about marketing funnel. I didn't, I didn't have a business background. I didn't go to school. I didn't, in fact, I don't even have a college degree. So a lot of this stuff I didn't really know about, right. It was just kind of I don't know, you could call it guerrilla marketing and, and leveraging relationships and word of mouth and and some of these things that are also valuable. But I just know that we left a lot of money on the table because we didn't have even more intention and strategy and part of that being a so-called marketing funnel. And, and I like the way that the, the, kind of the comparison that you make, um, a, a marketing funnel, for those of you listening and watching, as Meg just pointed out, is really can be summed up as the journey that you want your customers to take to ultimately booking you. And most photographers don't think about it that way. Again, it's like, "Oh, maybe they'll find my website and they'll, you know, call me and then I'll book them." Or maybe they'll do a Google search and they'll me, they'll find me because my SEO is suddenly really great and they'll book me. But that's kind of the the extent of the conversation. They're not thinking about the potential multiple steps in that funnel. And if the customer does this at this point in the funnel, then what happens next? And what do I want them to do next? And how am I going to guide them to to that next step? There's very, very little thought and conversation around this this conversation of actually building a marketing funnel for sole proprietor photographers.
1: And I think ultimately that's the problem when it comes to converting Pinterest traffic into clients is that they're not thinking about the next steps. Hmm. And so that's kind of That's kind of the four things that I'm talking about today is making sure that you have these additional steps, um, and that you're not just sending people to, you know, not a literal blank page, but essentially a blank page. When it comes to them, you need to give them a map. This, this funnel is a map on their journey and you need to tell them exactly how it is you want them to move through it. Um, whether you're, you know, utilizing all sorts of different, you know, marketing tactics or whatever um it all comes down to making sure that you know where you want them to go and then you have to grab them by the shoulders and push them through <laughs> to well, make yeah. sure that they get to where you want them to go
0: yeah but this is a, it, it it could be something as simple as putting a call to action book me now is very direct but schedule a call for example these calls simple calls to action on a website weren't even commonplace a few years ago i think they're becoming more so now Um, especially if you have a, a talented web designer involved in, in, uh, building your website for you, but this just hasn't, hasn't been mainstream conversation in the photography community. And, um, I'm so again, it's important that we have it. I'm glad that we're having it here today. So we start then with that first step, which is you said to make sure to provide some kind of value, but is it really providing value or is it just providing a next step or is it a combination of both?
1: I think it's a combination of both because if you, you could, you could tell them click through my website that could be providing a next step, but give them a reason.
0: I see. Okay. You
1: know, like learn, learn more about my services, click through to my website or, you know, and we'll get into some other pieces of value that you can, um, that you can provide for sure. But you know, you want to incentivize, um, and you know, really, and like I said, it's also going to serve as the first opportunity to prove to people that you're trustworthy and have follow through because Mm. you are incentivizing them and then you are giving it to them. Um, and people love reward, right? Like, you know, reward <laughs> yeah. them for doing the thing that you are asking them to do. And actually yes, my but second... you know,
0: I'm a bit of a, a bit, yeah. And we'll get to the second one. I do not mean to interrupt you here, but I'm a bit of a cynic. I mind. have to say when it comes to the so-called reward, because a lot of the, this, so the photographers that are thinking about a funnel a little bit more, and they're thinking about providing some type of value whether they're marketing to photographers or they're marketing to potential clients for the photography business, the so-called freebie. A lot of times it feels very sleazy. Like they're not actually giving something truly valuable to that person. It's just that they know that's what they're supposed to do. So they just throw something, you know, here's a free PDF download. Um, And to be clear, I don't think that's true across the board, but I'm a little bit of a cynic when it comes to this stuff. So how do you make sure?
1: Oh, that's, that's one of my points too. We can definitely dive okay. into that. Okay. All right. That's
0: fine. So sure. we, we'll get to that then. So <laughs> number one then is to make sure to provide kind of a combination of value proposition with a, some type of call to action. Here's the next step that you need to take. Okay. Take us to number right. two then.
1: So yeah, so the second one is having your website set up for conversion. So that kind of okay. goes into you talking about how you know adding those call to action calls to action on websites is becoming more and more commonplace. Um, you really need to make sure that when they show up, they know what to do. So you know this can include conversion copy, you know that clear direction, those calls to action, etc. So I just like this is so so important because I can see a difference truly in between the results that clients get based on solely how their websites are set up and how well they're set up to receive potential leads. Um, Like, I feel like everybody knows that they should have a website. So a lot of the time they'll start with something bare bones, kind of like what you were talking about before, you know, like jump and you know, you'll grow the wings on your way down um, <laughs> yeah. and that's totally fine. Like it's better than not having a website at all, like yeah. we all kind of start in that way in, in many different facets of starting a business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went to art school, I did not go to um, you know, business school or whatever. So I did, you know, a lot of the same things that you're talking about where sometimes you got to learn as you go, you know, like that's just life will teach you, um, you do,
0: but I can't stress enough for those listening in. It, it's not, we're not talking about, you can't run a business without doing these things. But what you're doing is leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. You know, whether my, it was my photography business or my editing company, we did really, really well, but I know that we could have done 30, 40, 50% more, potentially even more than that. Had we actually thought about these strategies years ago, um, and, and actually implemented them. So for those of you listening in, don't write this stuff off. You need to actually be thinking about this. When we talk about building a website for conversion the the key the key first thing to do I, I would say based on our conversation anyway and certainly others from my understanding of it is to think about that journey how do you what do you want the customer to do next because again until at least maybe the last two or three years maybe a little bit more it wasn't so commonplace you'd get to a, a photographer's website they're talking about themselves nonstop there's some pretty pictures and then you have to look to the navigation to you know contact me for example in order to actually get in touch with a photographer and then maybe you would send them a note through their little form or you would pick up the phone and call them but there there wasn't a clear guide to the next step that they should take so can you break down I, I know this could be a whole episode or two or three by itself but can you just break down simply for those of you listening or those listening in or watching that don't quite understand what it means to set up their site for conversion, give a couple of examples of how they would do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, copy is so important. Um, like when somebody comes to your website, especially if they're coming there from Pinterest, they don't really know you that well, potentially, this might be the first time they've ever been introduced to you. And so they show up on your website and, you know, give them a little something. So conversion copy, you know, whether that's you know, as, as little as just the directions of here's a call to action on how to get to my booking. Here's a call to action on how to see more about my services, that kind of thing. You want every page of your website to lead them to something else. Um, and it could, you could have multiple calls to action on one page and that kind of thing, whether it's like, you know, if it's like your about page and you're talking about how you got into photography and then you kind of do a call to action to your, um, Your services and then you get down to like how much you love shooting weddings and then you can say like interested in booking me for a wedding like here's my contact page you know like making sure that you have all of this is just like so important like you said directing somebody to a website that's not primed to nurture um is kind of a waste of time you like you're leaving money on the table like you said you won't be able to keep them um if you aren't immediately hooking them so that's another thing that conversion copy will do and sometimes people aren't good at that so you know be aware that there are lots of people out there who you can hire to do this and talk about like an amazing roi like somebody who can write you some amazing conversion copy like being able to just send somebody to your website and your website does the work your website's not going to be able to do the work just by existing you have to have like that content on there
0: that's it well we have to keep in mind too that a lot, if not, maybe even most of the traffic that comes to our website is cold traffic, i.e. they're not primed to right now pay for your, you know, $5,000 for your wedding photography or 500 bucks for your portrait photography. They need to be warmed up a little bit. So maybe they land on that homepage and you, you give them some type of introductory blurb and then the call to action button is learn about our services. So they click that, they go to the services page. Now you have a brief summary of the services learn about our pricing. They click that, go to the pricing page. You're you're slowly not only informing them, educating them, you're managing their expectations, but you're slowly but surely guiding them through the so-called journey, the funnel, if you will, to a place where then maybe you still don't do a hard sell. Maybe the next call to action under the pricing is schedule a consultation so that they don't feel so pressured into booking you right then. And then of course, you can split test this and it gets a little bit more technical, but Walking them through that process with the assumption that this is cold traffic, I think is a better approach than just, like you said, putting up a pretty website and then crossing our fingers and hopefully maybe they're going to book us. You know, that's, that is not strategy. That is, that it's just hope and hope only gets us so far. So, (laughs) all right, take us to number. Oh, please go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No.
1: I just had a conversation with somebody on Instagram who was inquiring about working with me and through, I had just talked about how important it is to have like your website primed and ready. Um, And so we ended up talking about that and they ended up deciding to wait a few weeks before, you know, we took the next step because they want to make sure their website is ready. It's so, important. I love to hear that. It makes my job so much easier because then I'm able as, you know, their Pinterest manager to make those, you know, initial promises. And then the website is going to fulfill, you know, the expectations and that kind of thing. Um, so it's just, it's so important. Um, you of course have to have a website to be able to pin because you need somewhere to send them, but you want to send them to a place that is not going to like, it it needs to not be a dead end. They need to, you need to continue nurturing them. Like you said, turn them from those cold leads at the very least into warm ones.
0: Yep. Absolutely. No, this is, this is good. I love how practical this is. And what's kind of interesting about this conversation is we've not spent a whole lot of time talking about Pinterest specifically. And I think that's great. I think it's really good because not only are these principles applicable to Pinterest, but of course other elements of our marketing efforts as well. So, uh, this is good. All right. Take us to number three, if you will.
1: Number three is the one that you're a little skeptical on. It's utilizing lead magnets or free. Okay. <laughs> so like we, like we've talked about the traffic you get from Pinterest can be pretty cold. So they may not know you from another photographer at that point. They might already be looking at other photographers. And so if you provide them value, actual value. I'm with you. There are a lot of freebies out there that are kind of, they feel like a bait and switch. kind of. I would liken
0: it, Um, Meg, I would liken it to going to a trade show and getting, or or a conference for that matter, and getting pens, like pens with the name of the conference on it, or t-shirts with the name of the conference on it. Nobody cares about these things. They're going to go straight in the trash or, you know, in the back of a closet or in a drawer somewhere. That's not anything of actual value in the bigger picture. And, and so that's what I have right. such a hard time with. It's people are putting out these so-called freebies, but they're not in many cases, I will say not actually valuable to whoever it is that they're marketing to. And so that's why I'm cynical. I just want to give a little bit more context. <laughs>
1: yeah, No, I I'm with you. I've downloaded many freebies that I've been like, are you kidding? This is, this is it. Right. The promise here was not fulfilled. Right. So I, I here are some examples of some good freebies that I feel like, you know, photographers could use. So a family photographer, you could create a guide all about how to pick out outfits for your, um, for someone's family photos. So that can be about, you know, like patterns that should or shouldn't be mixed, um, how to pick a, you know, a cohesive color scheme, you know, like little things that, um, you know, you might end up, telling to your clients if they book with you to go ahead and do that. But this is something that, this is something that people would be searching for on Pinterest. They would have a, you know, family photo session booked already, or they're planning on having one or, you know, whatever. And they're like, you know, family photo outfits. And then if your PDF that says, you know, like your how-to guide, you know, Mm -hmm. making, picking, family photo outfits easy or whatever. And then you give them this PDF that has this information in it. Then all of a sudden you're a trusted um, person in the photography world for them. Like you've already, you know, like that's a great, I think that that's a great value that isn't kind of giving away the secret sauce or whatever that like, you don't want to give that away for free or anything like that. And then with other, um,
0: well, and I have example. to jump in there and say that there's very little that's actual secret anymore. It cracks me up when I still right. see people using, <laughs> you know, secrets, giving my secrets away in this workshop today or whatever. Like, a 99.9% of stuff is out there, so let's not make that big of a deal about the information that that we're giving away. I think, and, and from at least my perspective, if I were to the, the contrast between downloading a freebie that you know essentially tells me wear matching outfits to downloading a freebie that's three or four pages, beautifully designed, images to go with the suggestions that are being made, detailed breakdowns, where it actually feels like the person took the time to put something together, one. Two, it does, as you said, establishes them as an expert. And then three, gives me real valuable information to go apply versus just a few quick bullet points that they probably pulled from, you know, chat GPT or whatever it is. They, well, there's actually some time that's gone into it. That is going to give me a much better impression of this business uh, who's yes. so-called giving me a freebie than, than something that's kind of thrown together with very little actual value involved. So I would say forget the idea uh, that we might be giving away secrets. Because it's all out right. there in YouTube and Google and everywhere else. Let's actually put something together that is of genuine value that maybe we have to put a little bit of time in up front. But this, this time investment, small and in time investment up front can translate to thousands of dollars in business down the road right. if, if we're willing to actually put that effort and energy into it.
1: Right. And I was going to say, you know, the way that you present it is going to be your secret sauce. That's how it's going to be different from what... They might down you know i'm sure there are going to be you know lots of these freebies that are similar but you need to infuse your personal experience your um like you said example photos that you've taken of families before who had these um who were putting these things into practice so you can show people a visual representation um, and then being able to insert your personality and help people get to know you through that as well if you provide them with value within this type of freebie Obviously, the way that they get the freebies, they give you like their name and email. You've got them now on your email list. You can then nurture that lead, turn them from the cold lead, cold lead more into a warmer one. You're way more likely to convert them into a client. They're learning more about you. They're not just seeing a pretty photo um, of yours on Pinterest and then saving it to their board and potentially moving on. You know, like that's again, like I said from the very beginning, value is always going to be kind of like the undercurrent of all of these things that I'm talking about. But you know, like then you're aware of how this might help take them to the next step
0: okay so we're starting number one and of course we're thinking about a potential client coming to our brand on pinterest to make sure to provide some type of kind of like value proposition combination value proposition and clear call to action so they want to go from pinterest to our website for a very clear reason um, we then, number two, need to make sure that our website, when they land on that website is certainly set up to guide that potential customer through the funnel or the journey that we want them to go on uh, for whatever the goal might be. And then number three, of course, to actually provide them a a freebie that is truly valuable, not just in, co- in theory or concept, but actually valuable uh, that will enable us then to be able to capture a bit of information and continue to market them. Uh, so take us to number four then.
1: Number four is blogging. Um, I Again, someone coming to your website might not know you. Blogs allow you to tell them about yourself, what it's like to work with you, you know, how it is that you structure a wedding day or a family session or whatever it is that you shoot, and then also shows them that you know what you're talking about. Um, when you're able to establish these things with someone, they're way more likely to stick around and either want to learn more about you or reach out to inquire or take whatever next step um, it is that you have lined up for them. Um, because, like I said, at the end of the day, we are starting our journey with Pinterest I, and kind of taking it back a little to the beginning as well. People have this expectation that once you blow up on Pinterest and you are getting these crazy numbers, that's that's when you're going to be getting all of your these crazy, you know, inquiry numbers and things like that, when in reality, That just means you're getting a ton of people to your website and then it's like, well, is your website doing the work that your website needs to do? Um, And so being able to show them these things through blogging, you know, like I there's it's so often that I'll be searching for something on Pinterest and I'll see a pin that I love and that's really great. And I might not be able to necessarily find more of what it is that I want to see from that person on Pinterest. So yeah, I would want to go to their website, right? So then I go to their website and let's say that I am looking for a photographer. I go to their website and I'm able to see that they do blog and oh, they've got this like, you know, blog about a session that they did and they're showing all of these different photos and I'm able to, even if I don't use that photographer, like in in that, even if I'm not in the mindset of using that photographer, or my photo shoot, I'm able to learn stuff. And then, you know, it's kind of marketing's a mind game, right? So it's like, then I'm starting to learn like, oh, I really love how this photographer does this. So then I'm consuming more and more of that. You're just kind of pulling them in. Like I said, grabbing them by the shoulders and like pushing them through that journey that you're trying to keep them on. Um, And so blogging, that's why I offer both Pinterest and blogging services to my clients because blogging, goes so perfectly hand in hand with Pinterest, because not only does it provide all of those things that I talked about, they get to know you, um, you can show your expertise, all of that, even before you ever talk to them, you know, it's like, you're able to, you know, really teach them about you before you ever have to get on that consultation call. And I know that this kind of sounds counterintuitive, but then you're going to weed out the people that wouldn't be a good fit without wasting your time. Um, so Mm. that's going to help you, you know, in the long run as well. Um, but also blogging provides you with so much Pinterest content. Um, uh, so that's like, it helps on, on both ends as well.
0: well yeah. And I was going to ask you, cause it, it felt like the blogging was, I, I guess I'm trying to understand how blogging fits into this process. Cause the first three steps made a lot of sense and it's kind of progressive, right? Step one, step two, step three, but then we have blogging at the end. So how does, what role does blogging play in that funnel? Let's say like at what point in that funnel should we be inserting blogging for the sake of kind of encouraging this journey that leads to conversion?
1: Um, well, the the fact that my first three kind of went in order was not intentional. <laughs> so, okay. um, so maybe I would have put blogging in a different spot if I had been thinking about it as, you know, like I've been talking a lot about a journey. So of course, yes, looking at this as a journey <laughs> it does make sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it kind of is the same, on the same tier as, you know, the, the lead magnet. But also, you know, another kind of generic marketing thing to pull into here, the rule of seven in marketing is, you know, people need to see something Thing or someone seven times before they potentially take action. So, you know, if we were to apply the rule of seven just to someone's website, then giving them enough content on the website might help with them potentially taking that next step of booking the consultation call or booking the actual um, session. Um, so the blogs can very easily guide people two different things as well it's really a cohesive and like um what's the word i'm looking for it really makes sense it like feels good at the end of a um, blog post to funnel them into something else that call to action so whether or not Mm -hmm. you're writing a blog post about your lead magnet and that's how you convince people to like they showed up on your website some other way and um you know for some other reason maybe not because of the lead magnet that you were promoting and then they read this blog post and then they learn about your lead magnet and then all of a sudden you've got them on your email marketing list and of course now we're breaking into other marketing platforms but you know like I said because Pinterest is the top of the funnel um, it does kind of lead into these other aspects of marketing and I think that that's one of the biggest misconceptions about Pinterest um, is that you think you get on Pinterest and that's the only step that you have to take to get, you know, those results. And it's like, well, no, it's, it's a part of, it's just one piece of that big pie. And so, you got to make sure that everything kind of, you know, meshes together and you're able to like, you know, I, I I hate to keep saying the thing about the journey, but like. Well, it is, it is is a journey. Yeah.
0: I was just trying to make sense of that for the sake of our listeners too, that like, where does the blog actually fit in a journey? I guess it would make sense to link traffic from pinterest if if maybe there are a couple of pretty images you then link them to a related post blog post maybe at the bottom of that blog post would be a couple of calls to action because this is another approach too it doesn't have to be a singular call to action you could have two buttons one would say uh you know read learn more about or read similar articles something to the effect of read similar articles to this or and, and then you could have a secondary call to action which is learn more about our services so at that point we can, we can either continue to warm them up via the other content on our blog, or we can go ahead and take them to our website. And then they've broken off into that segment of the funnel uh, or the customer journey. We can guide them along the way. It really, it really is. And that's actually a really great way to put it because I think this concept one is very foreign to a lot of sole proprietor photographers who are just running into small businesses and they're just trying to make ends meet um, and ultimately build their dream. And that's, that's a great thing. Of course, I don't want to minimize that, but. It's very easy just to think, okay, I've got a website and I'm going to try to shoot some portrait sessions and weddings and not actually think about strategy as it relates to that customer journey, because it isn't necessarily as simple as they just see your website and they book you immediately. They, many people may or likely will need to take multiple steps in that process. So we need to think about that adventure that we want them to go down and we need to give them a few options, relevant options. Uh, but i think that's actually a really great way to to kind of pose that roseanne says first time watching live so excited go guys thanks roseanne for for chiming in and for those of you that are listening in we've got just a few minutes here if you've got questions or comments as it relates to uh, pinterest and ultimately converting potential clients to paying customers shoot those into the comments really quickly here as we finish up um so with these let me come back to to blogging blog content uh, you know blogging was way more popular a topic Say five years ago, six, seven, eight years ago. Um, now we've shifted a lot more to podcasts, and blogs have become kind of secondary as a form of creating, you know, value add content for potential customers. What type of content do you recommend? And it's a broad, broad question. I realize, but what type of content do you recommend photographers post about in their blog? You know, again, stereotype. But years ago, the, the typical thing was, I'm so excited to photograph so and so's wedding. And you know, a couple of lines of of, uh, text, and then we've got some pretty pictures and that was it, is that the direction that we need to continue to go? Or what do we need to think about when we're thinking about the type of content that we're blogging?
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm going to kind of answer this question kind of in two ways. One is going to be through the lens of Pinterest and then the other is going to be just like blogging in general um, and how it will affect your SEO. Um, so when it comes to through the lens of Pinterest, um, I think that a good way to try and figure out stuff that you should talk about is figuring out like what is it that people are going to be searching for on Pinterest and how can I um, create some content where I can show up in as a solution to the questions that people have. So. I'll use kind of the same example that I used before. If you're a family photographer, something that a mom who has, you know, in her mind that she's going to get some family photos done, she's thinking about what she's going to buy for the family and, uh, with, in regards to outfits or what outfits she's going to put together with what they already have or whatever. So she's going to be searching for that. So you can of course create a freebie, um, surrounding it and diving deeper or whatever, but you can also do, you know, like a little listicle of like, do's and don'ts um, when it comes to choosing outfits for your family photos you know like making it a an educational thing i think people think blogging and they think of you know like lifestyle bloggers who are just like talking about their life and da da da. and you're like how can that help my business and it's like well that's not the way that you really should be blogging when it comes to blogging on your business's website um you know you're providing that value you're thinking about the things that people are searching, not only on Pinterest, but also on Google. And so that kind of ties us into like blogging helps with the SEO of your website, you know, adding additional content, adding additional keywords that you can potentially rank for. Um, and in regards to the example that you gave of like just a few lines and then essentially, it's just a gallery. Um, that doesn't help your SEO at all. You definitely want at least 300 to 500 words on, um, on a blog post on any page on your website, really, when it comes to SEO. Um, and I definitely, you know, the blogs that I write for my clients, we, we do still do, you know, session features and wedding features and things like that. Um, but we dive a little bit more into it. And then we also make sure that we're talking about things like, um, you know if you are a photographer who really helps with timeline then you can talk about how you helped this couple with the timeline of their day and how you were able to fit xyz and they really wanted to be able to get a first look in but you know you had to make sure that you fitted in with you know the time of day and with the sunlight or whatever and that is not only telling the story of this wedding but you're also showing people who don't know you and haven't worked with you how it is to work with you and these are things that they that you could help them with and it's such an organic way to describe the type of services that you provide and show your expertise Um, and so we want to use that you know in this organic way that blogging can provide Um, I feel like I got a little bit off topic, but maybe I didn't. I think I answered the question. No, I I, I
0: don't think you did. One quick question for you, and then maybe this is not necessarily, again, we could probably spend more time on it, like many things that we discuss on the show here. But when it comes to this conversation around creating content that's relevant to our target market or to target client, how do we best find what questions, uh, outside of trying to put ourselves in the shoes of our potential customers and thinking about what it would be like to be a customer of ourselves um is there a way is there are there tools that you would recommend that photographers utilize to figure out what questions are being searched or asked so that that kind of leads to the type of content that we're writing for the blog
1: yeah i mean keyword research on pinterest does unfortunately start with what you were just describing which is you know putting yourself in the shoes of your um client that's the best way to give yourself a starting point so that you're not just kind of starting from nowhere um and then you're able to start doing those searches if you start typing into the um, search bar on pinterest and don't hit enter it will give you um suggested searches and those suggested searches are based on what people are actually searching much like google um Yes. And so that's a great way to just start. Like, even if you're a family photographer, you just start typing in family photographer and see the stuff that comes up. Do some searches like you are, you know, your ideal client and see what stuff is coming up. Um, and then also there is a, um, the Pinterest trends page, um, that will also tell you, that'll give you a little bit more of Mm -hmm. like a general thing. And it kind of tells you, You know, what has been being searched recently. And then also, you can kind of see, you're able to set it so that you can see um, how that search has, how that keyword has done in searches over the last year. And so, if there's stuff, you know, like if you're thinking about doing like Christmas tree minis or whatever, um, you can see when that starts to peak. And so, you can see when you should start, um, you know, promoting that kind of pin maybe writing a blog post about last year's Christmas tree minis um, and starting to you know, circulate that. Um, but also keep in mind that because these things are kind of cyclical and because um, Pinterest content lasts for so long, um, anything that you posted last year about those Christmas tree minis is also going to potentially pick up traction the next year when people are starting to search that again. This isn't Instagram stuff doesn't just disappear after 24 hours or become irrelevant after 72 however long people think that feed posts <laughs> last these days. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely you know like you're getting that ROI on not only the time and energy and potentially resources you're putting into Pinterest marketing um, but also that patience.
0: Which that long is, game, feels that's costly good. at the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, and in addition to, like you said, looking at the suggestions from Pinterest or Google, when we start to do a search for curious, what people are searching for. There's a tool that I've mentioned here on the podcast before called keywords everywhere, uh, or anywhere keywords. Now I'm, now I'm everywhere. second everywhere. Yeah. I was second guessing myself yeah. keywords everywhere, <laughs> which is a tool actually that we've used a, a ton, uh, in the last two or three years that's one another for a deeper dive for anybody curious A-H-R-E-F-S, r-ef-s.com is a really really powerful tool that allows you not only to do keyword research uh, but then you can also look at your competitors and what they're doing and and if you need some frame of reference use that as a frame of reference it's really powerful it's a little bit more expensive a couple hundred bucks a month or so 150 200 a month but i just want to throw that out there for anybody who's curious and um, doing some of that that research as well Man, this is, this has been super practical, Meg. I really appreciate it. Sue actually said, I'm really getting a lot of this episode. Thank you. And, uh, Sue, thanks for commenting and thanks for listening in for everybody who's live streamed today. Uh, this has been super practical. I always like to preface this kind of comment with Meg did not ask me to do this, but Meg, I'd love for you just to share briefly before we go, um, how our listeners can Take advantage of the services that you offer they want a little bit more guidance it's not something they want to just try to do on their own what kind of services do you offer coaching consulting or otherwise
1: yeah so like i said um pinterest and blogging manager um so i do both um both of those things uh for monthly management whether you want just pinterest just blogging or both both is definitely my the bread and butter of what i do um for my clients but Also, if you're really thinking that you want to DIY this and give it the old college try yourself, um, I do offer um, Pinterest setups and Pinterest audits. And then also a thing that I call the blogging starter pack. Um, and that's just, I help you with four fully SEO optimized evergreen, um, blog posts that you can kind of get a a little kickstart to your blog, um, and have a little bit of stuff that you can post on Pinterest if you haven't been blogging for yourself already. Um, so yeah, pretty much from the, you know, from one end to the other of your, you know, Pinterest journey, If we're going to keep using that word, Um, (laughs) I I have services, (laughs) I have services that can help out. So you can follow me on Instagram. Like Nathan said, my website is leanonmeg.com. And I'm always talking about, you know, different tips and tricks over there. And also, of course, you can see a deep dive of my services on both of those places. I also have a weekly newsletter where I share Pinterest tips, blogging trips, tick. Oh my gosh. Pinterest tips, blogging tricks there you go that's a mouthful like little just yeah little just behind the scenes stuff about being a business owner and also just me because I'm a sharer and if you couldn't tell I'm a talker so um so yeah you can subscribe to that on my website as well
0: cool Roseanne said very fun thank you guys sorry I missed the majority of the show I definitely listen later for sure always value this podcast Roseanne really appreciate you listening in and um Meg truly this has been super practical actionable um and yet I I think some of the most valuable content that is actionable and practical is also relatively simple. It's just about going and doing the thing, right? Yeah. And this information, it's not like it didn't exist before. It's just that most photographers aren't doing it proactively. So I love that we were able to highlight these principles today, these ideas. Thank you for making time to share it with all of us really, truly appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.